on a scale of 1 to 14, 1 being lowest degree of likelihood, 14 being absolute metaphysical certitude. know this. Well, why don't they just get a house that's already painted? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Absolute Metaphysical Sportitude Podcast. I am Ryan Weggs. We appreciate you joining us for episode number two here. We are obviously up on your favorite podcasting host since you're tuning in now, but uh, we are available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple as well. Joining me, Mr. Duck Hook himself, Chris Weinfurt. Christopher, how are you today? I'm doing great, Ryan. We are right in the middle of the uh, of the holiday season here. Um, I'm in a good mood. I'm in a good mood for the holiday season. How about you? Good. Is shopping is done. Shopping's almost done. I am a a chronic procrastinator, so there's always that one gift that I feel like I have to wait to get at the very end just to to keep the persona alive but almost i would say we're about 90 percent. how about you has santa completed all of his workshop we we are done um we i did some wrapping this morning which i put it this way if you had a gun to your head to guess whether i wrapped the gift or ellis wrapped the gift my five-year-old you 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 have some serious danger on your hands for preserving life. Not a rapper. Um, I'm in not in any sense with a W or an R. <laughs> that I meant to word it that way to keep it open ended. Well, I, hey, you know what? We can't we can't be great at everything, Ryan. So I'm I'm glad to see that you do have flaws. Thank you. I'm, I'm gifted in other ways. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, today is we are recording this. It is December twenty first, two thousand and twenty one. Um, and we want to start out by talking about something we touched on a little bit in our first episode last week, um, but really wanted to go back through the entire Formula One season. Formula One is something that if you had asked me five years ago, um, you know, or, or gone back and said, Ryan, in the year 2021, you are going to watch all 22 Formula One races throughout the season. I would have told you you were crazy. That would never happen. And like so many people, I got drawn in through Drive to Survive on Netflix and then kind of finding out that there were some other friends out there like yourself that were also tuning in to watch. So it's actually been kind of a fun little group of guys that, that we've had kind of watching races throughout the season. Um, so really my, my first full year, but you'd mentioned you were uh, an Ayrton Senna fan back in the day as well. Yeah, big uh, growing up, big big Formula One fan. I don't think I I understood really what was kind of. I mean, it was just it was something that was on early Sunday mornings as a child. Of course, your wake up times are always two and a half hours before any adult. So I think it was maybe similar to your theory on on Sunday morning viewing, where I think my dad just put me in front of the television, He's like, "Hey, watch this." Sure. Uh, and super into it. Uh, Ayrton Senna, Nigel Mansell. I kind of was tail end Michael Schumacher. Uh, went dormant for a long time, but then honestly, I kind of got into it a little bit more for Drive to Survive. But it was the the point at which, you know, Lewis Hamilton was just winning, 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 and so Drive to Survive kind of got me back into it. But honestly, like this year, really ramped it up because of the fact that you know there was it was actually a competition this year. It wasn't right. just kind of like a coronation of Lewis Hamilton's dominance all year. Well, and we'll get into it too. I think the the midfield races were a little bit better 
um, this year as well. But certainly having those two guys going at it at the top, and even for a short time to think that the Constructors was actually in, in jeopardy as well um, is what was definitely made it more exciting. And I don't think you know either of us are going to profess to be experts. I don't think we're going to get into the ins and outs of, you know, turn apex breaking on this one. Um, I think this is a little bit more of a, of a subjective, um, you know, kind of recap of the year. Um, but obviously, you know, at the top, Lewis and Max, you know, you met, you mentioned that you are more of a, a Max guy. Our household turned into a Max household um, with, with the boys. They definitely gravitated towards him right away. Um and we're we're very excited to see him win, but I'll I'll let you start start wherever you want on the Lewis and Max thing. I don't know if you want to start at the end or go back towards the beginning. I think I want to start kind of at the beginning of kind of the whole. I I, I put a hard emphasis on Verstappen. I'm trying to be as as F1 friendly as possible by using all of the the correct pronunciations. Dutch Dutch accent. Yes, uh, <laughs> I. I've always kind of been a Max fan because I, like I said, when I kind of got back into it, Lewis was dominating. So I kind of wanted to pick a guy where I was like, all right, who has the best chance to kind of dethrone, you know, Lewis's dominance. And I'd like to say that I was procrastinating, but I think it was kind of obvious that it was going to be, that Max was going to be one of the two guys. It was going to be Max or it was going to be uh, Charles Leclerc or Leclerc, whatever, however you'd like to put the pronunciation on it. Um, and I was Charles super excited Leclerc. early on. Yeah, sorry for uh, for those uh, who are more. Uh, I guess maybe, maybe NASCAR. That was was that supposed to be the next enough? Um, sure. I, I, yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Uh, I was I was really excited to see Max. I knew that that Red Bull was talking early on in the year about them having a great year and them really testing well, and their car was really fast, and I think even some of the other drivers were predicting that Red Bull was going to have a fast car this year. But I think the pessimist in me was always just kind of like, yeah, but. Uh, and I, I dared myself, I let myself dream that when he was winning all those races and he had that big lead over Lewis, that like this these last couple races or the, you know, the last month or so was really going to kind of be the opposite of like, Lewis is going to drop out. You know, the marketing team at F1 did a great job of convincing me because they're like, Mercedes doesn't give a shit about this year. They're looking to 2022. They're not going to put a lot of technology to this car. And so I too was caught off guard by the fact that Lewis kind of stormed back there at the end. And it really gave me a lot of pause to be like, I don't know if Max can pull this off. And we can, I think we kind of touched on the last race about, you know, what was going on there. Uh, But Super proud to see that somebody else won. I think that is more than anything good for the sport in that this wasn't just, you know, Lewis Hamilton is now a nine-time, eight-time champion. I think it was going for eight or nine. I can't remember which one. Yeah, eight. Eight. Um, I'm glad to see that. I know that you do need kind of a dominant uh, team or person in a sport to, I think, you know, kind of make sure that people kind of tune in because then there's a standard. Uh, But I look, I was happy to see Max win. I'm, I was actually surprised at at really at least the couple of people that I talked to is that um, I'm, I guess Lewis is a much more popular driver than Max, uh, at least in the people I talked to. So I guess I'm a little bit in the minority, but um, I think it was great for the sport this year, no matter 
no matter what the actual outcome was, I think you, you could have had Lewis win or, or Max win. I think the fact that it was an actual competition this year, if you want to get into the conspiracy theories about F1 kind of, you know, manufacturing that, uh, you can. But I think it was just great for the sport in general. So I'm just happy that it's kind of picked up again, whether it be the Netflix series or just the amount of competition that's back. I mean, Lewis definitely has Tom Brady status, I think, with a lot more people internationally than than around here. Um, and you can say what you want about the last race. Max won 10 races this year. Like, it, it wasn't like he just fell backwards into 395 and a half points. Like, yeah, he, he had an incredible season, um, especially early on. Um, and and I, it was exciting, too, where I mean, there were definitely a couple of moments throughout the year where. Um, you really saw those guys going toe to toe. And again, not being a historian of F1, I kind of went back and tried to look at some of, you know, the past decade, at least um, how, how those races shook out. And if you go back to watching, you know, Lewis, his first championship, and you watch some of those highlights from the races that he was, was racing in 2008, if you were to superimpose Max and Lewis on the opposite cars there, it looks awfully similar. And so um, I think the one thing that was was disappointing for me throughout the year was both from Max and from Lewis, this whole every interview, every soundbite over the radio is, oh, well, they're just out for Lewis. Oh, well, they're just out for Max. It's like, grow up, you know, grow a pair, race, like, don't don't play this politicking thing. Um, that was kind of, kind of disappointing for me, but, um, that was every driver, wasn't it though? It seems to be happening more and more for sure. Uh, it, which whatever, if that's the game that they're going to let them play, I guess that's the game you play. It just, as a fan, it's like, come on, like, let's do, let's just get past it. Um, so what do you make of this whole, after Mercedes lost this whole Hamilton, not coming back total. Oh, it's Wolf. going full Brett Favre going full he- Brett Favre. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. It's I get it. Like I can imagine in his shoes, like he's tied for the most championship seasons. He's got the most races ever won. He's got the most podiums ever. Like what else does he really have to prove? I mean, he's 36 or 35, 36. Right. And like, do you want to go out and I mean, say what you want. Like these guys are still driving 200 miles an hour. Like it's not, it's not like you can just go through the motions out on an F1 track. Although I, I guess on the flip side of that, Kimi Raikkonen did a pretty good job of doing that <laughs> this season. Um, so I, I get where he might be sort of questioning whether or not he wants to, to put himself through that in 22 races a lot. And, you know, he went through, you know, he had COVID and, um, you know, there's some speculation that he's a long haul COVID guy, um, at the same time, I, I feel like these guys are just built differently. And so to know that you can come back in, he's going to have a new teammate next year for, for good, better or worse, um, in George Russell. So, you know, that might give him a little bit of, of juice just to cut, because I, as I understand, those guys are pretty close, um, just with Russell sort of being the next British driver along with Lando. So, um, It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think ultimately he comes back, but um, and I, it would be disappointing for, for that to be his last race, I think, and the last way for him to go out. I, I would love to see him and Max going at it again. New regulations next year. Um, you know, Russell with, with Merck and, 
and Sergio Perez coming back for Red Bull. And I'll admit, Checo is a guy for me from watching Driver Survive when he was with Racing Point. I was like, this guy's kind of a dick. I didn't like him. <laughs> I am complete 180 all in on Checo. He had a couple. So, I mean, obviously in this last race, he had that big battle to hold off Lewis, but he did that two other times this year where he was going toe to toe with Lewis and just clearly didn't have the faster car, but was able to just gut out, you know, a lap or two to, to slow Lewis down and help his team and all. So Sergio is definitely one of those guys that I have gone like total 180 on it. Was there anyone else? Was there anyone for this year? For you, that you kind of changed your your view on, either team or driver. Um. Yeah. Uh, the aforementioned Charles, Charles Leclerc, Leclerc, Charles Leclerc. Yeah. Charles Charlie. Leclerc. Charlie. Charlie. Oh, Chuck. Chucky Leclerc. Good old Chucky. Chucky L. Um. I was. I. I was kind of built up to think that this. This was the next Max, and not to say that he's not, and not to say that like you know you have to be, um. But Ferrari really is kind of this weird team for me because again, I thinking back on you know when I was first an F one fan, they were the standard. You know, it was it was McLaren with uh with Senna and mm-hmm. Prost, and then it was you know Ferrari, and that was the top two, and so to come back into the sport and have Ferrari kind of be this like battling in the middle. I mean, I know, I think they even admitted, you know, that they're like, Hey, like we are, uh, you know, mid, mid level, you know, we're, we're fighting for third, you know, that's what we're fighting for. Um, and you got two very talented drivers and signs and, and Charlie. Um, and I was just kind of like, after that Monaco race where oh, he, he biffed it in the warm up lab. Um, I didn't, I mean, I barely heard from the guy the rest of the year. And so I'm like, is this like, look, is this just kind of like the, the Ferrari, you know, machine, you know, whether it be the, the engine or the engineering or whatever it is just isn't as good. Or is it like they kind of, they built up this kid to be to the expectations were just too large to be like, look, you know, we, our expectations were like, this guy's going to be a world champion. It's like, was that just pumping the tires? Like, was it, was it actually true? I was disappointed because I thought this year was the leap year for him. I thought it was going to be, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's Lewis, it's Max, and then it's Charlie. Or, yeah, so you for know, him to it, finish seventh in the driver's standings was pretty tough. Yeah. And that's why I think for me, looking forward to 2022, uh, I'm very interested in, what Ferrari is going to do, because I think both of the guys, both of the, in the, I, I think they really like Charles. I, I don't think they're going to get rid of him, but they've got to be on the hot seat, right? Like you can't just kind of like perpetually, you know, put out the same two guys and the same, I guess, you know, mid-level car. And then just kind of be like, we're okay with that. Like that's not Ferrari. No, but, but they beat McLaren by 50 points in the driver in the constructors standings. So I mean they are they were very much the third team hands down. So like I get it if you if you were to say, you know, are they expecting more than one podium a year out of Charles Leclerc, I would say the answer is yes. Um and in reality, better for our driver this year. Oh, Science was better. I mean, it was no doubt. It, it, and going into the year, you would have thought Science was number two. I guess that's why to me it's a yes. disappointing year. For sure. For for Leclerc, for sure. And I mean it was only he was only finishing, I think, five points behind Science, but and if you play the what if game, I mean, if the guy doesn't blow a gearbox at Monaco, he he wins that race. 
Well, yeah, I and mean, it's all about that, time trial there, yeah. Right, and if you take that, it's, you know, he he ends up a couple points ahead of, of science. So it's not that much of a difference. I just think from an optics perspective, it was like, every, if you just look at where Leclerc finished, it was just every week he was fourth or fifth, and that was the thing. Whereas science, you at least had, he had three podiums, um, you know, in a couple of races where he finished out of the points. So it's like, do you, do you value the volatility or do you value the consistency? Well, it just it seems like after Monaco, he went into this like 23 week funk. Yeah. He just finished fourth. I, he had, so he had one, let's take a look. So he had one race where he was finished 16th, one where he retired and everything else is, you know, four, seven, eight, two, eight, five, four, 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 five, five. Like it just, down the line, I guess. Yeah. And um, I, for me, I think that's what it was. I, I, we can, uh, this is probably a, a bigger topic and I think we'll get into it more when we talk more about F1 in the future that I, the driver relationships with each other, you touched on a little bit with Checo and, and Max where it's like the one, two, like kind of identifying who's the one and who's the two. And then they're like, their kind of relationship with each other. That is, is by far the strangest or the, the most, Yes. Uh, politically weird yes. uh, relationship you'll get in, in I think most of sports, but, but definitely with motorsports. For sure. And I think it's, that's where uh, I really enjoy my, my midfield guys at Alpha Tauri where Pierre and Luki, Yuki are just like these weird adopted brothers kind of thing. Um, and Is they that ha- the look, college frat house of, of F1? I, Alpha Tauri? I don't know that I would put Yuki Sonoda in a frat house, but the attitude though is just very laid back more i think so i mean look they had so the they finished sixth in the constructors which is the highest they've ever finished or tied for anyway but they scored the most points they've ever scored and that was with yuki clearly having a rookie year so you know he only had i think six or seven races where he finished in the points and I, I really think he could take a step forward. I mean, obviously he had his best race of the year in Abu Dhabi to close out, finishing fourth. But I think next year, I'm I'm really hoping that he takes a, a step forward. I think they can definitely jump Alpine. I don't think they're going to have the horses to to fight with McLaren or Ferrari. But I think the the Alpha Tauri Alpine fight next year is going to be much much scrappier. Well, I mean, and I think also too is talking about the driver relationship, but talking about that team in general, it's like Pierre had his chance at Red Bull, didn't work out. They brought in Albon, he didn't work out, and then we just talked about you know Checo came in. Um, If there is anybody who's who's leading the you know carrying the flag for Pierre Gasly, it's you. Where is his future? (laughs) Like, where does he go? He doesn't go to Red Bull. He's got to go somewhere else. Yeah, I. This is one of those things, again, being sort of a shorter-term fan. I don't know where they go. It's not like any of these other guys that are on – these other teams are, are going anywhere. So he, he's not going to go to Mercedes, right? I, I, at least I wouldn't think so. And, you know, Max, Sainz, Leclerc, all these guys we've been talking about, Ricardo, Norris, they're not going anywhere. So, so there's just not talk- there's not the seats. So you brought him up. Talk talk very briefly about. I, look, I love Danny Ricardo. I I think he is a great interview. I think he's a great like if great personality. 
Mm-hmm. Talk about him as a driver, though. Eh. <laughs> Enough said. Uh, like, is he? A, is he? A, like, I think coming into the year, it's McLaren had this weird like. 1A, 1B. Like, you know, I think you couldn't really tell. Now I think it's very, very clear that Lando's number one. Like, Danny yes. Danny Ricardo is clearly a number two. I think, honestly, I think he's clearly a number two on a lot of the teams out there. Red Bull, Mercedes, McLaren, Ferrari, he'd be a number two. You get to the next level tier guys, right. like if he ever joins the the fighting Lance Strolls at, at, at Aston Martin, a two, because everybody else is a two. You know, I, right. Lance isn't a one, but, you know, daddy's money is running that show. Right. Uh, Alpine, okay, maybe a one, but then it's like you're getting into some pretty pretty low, you know, lower yeah. level teams here. Even if he joined Botas at Elf, at uh, Alfa Romeo next year, I'd be <laughs> like, eh, Ricardo's a two. Right. It's And the thing with that was at the start of the year, it was, well, he's adjusting to this McLaren car. You know, it just drives differently for him. And that's just, you know, now they set up the cars to the way the cars need to be set up, not the way the drivers want them. It was okay. So you kind of give that. Well, then you look at how he performed over the course of the year. It got worse. So his, his best races were early on. Then there was Monza, which, you know, kind of a, a crowning it for for mclaren to go one and two there obviously max and lewis crash out you know it it was kind of a crazy race can um, i is monza the last two years is it has it been gasly and then ricardo yeah i mean 2022 uh who, who do we got we got uh, first with, win we with, got schumacher i'm going with uh with guanjo uh, guanyo joe uh, I don't know how to say his name. The new guy for Alfa Romeo. He's going to win Monza in 2022 by 24 seconds. Yes, that is not my hot take for the day. No, but I'll throw it out there. Yeah, sorry, I, I interrupted your your Ricardo. No, I, I think I think we're both on the same page there. Like super likable guy. You definitely want him in the sport just because he is such a great media soundbite. Obviously, he's a competent driver. And this is another one of those things like. This is this to me is like talking about NFL quarterbacks. There's 20 guys in the world that do this job. So to be 20th doesn't mean like Nicholas Latifi probably goes and could finish pretty well in IndyCar racing if he so chose. Right? These guys can drive these guys can drive a garbage can on wheels, except for Nikita Mazepin. I think we're all agreeing in agreement there. But yeah. It's like, how do you how do you really criticize a guy for being one of the 20 best people in the world at what he does? That's, that's I guess that's the beauty of being a sports fan, right? Yeah. And I, I, I think we've, I, we covered a lot with the F1. We're definitely going to circle back on this um, in, in the future, but you know, I know we, we took a lot of time. So um, when we come back after the break, Ryan, I want to, I want to find out what you're watching this winter uh, that maybe isn't a major sport. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back after that. Taking the game from the course to your earbuds. This is the Duck Hook Podcast, bringing you a full overview of what's new in the world of golf. Now on the team, Ryan Duffy and Chris Weinfurt. All right, buddy. Welcome back. Uh, we got through our first segment with F1. Uh, obviously, a, a like maybe a major major sport, maybe kind of be creeping into the American lexicon of of major sports. Well, according uh, to your rankings last week, it's you know miles behind the PGA Tour and uh, 
Look, Biathlon. Look, hey, look, I, t- I read an article the other day that said that the MLS was coming for baseball. So I, you better look out. Uh, I don't know how they, okay. I didn't click on the article. Felt like a little bit of clickbaity, but um, speaking of obscure sports, no offense, MLS, um, <laughs> Brian, the winter is an interesting time for sports, obviously major sports. We've got football, you know, kind of wrapping up the, the regular season in basketball, regular season in hockey, you know, you've got your your stalwarts there, but I, what I'm really interested in is finding out maybe what your winter sports or maybe just winter viewing schedule is going to look like. Well, it's a lot of Disney Plus around here, so we start there. News breaking overnight or last night that the NHL is taking a break, so that's taking a big chunk out of my my viewing. Uh, I do love do love catching hockey. Um, the NHL, even though I don't have a, I mean, I guess I'd say I'm a Blackhawks fan if I was, if I had to pick a team, but I, I like to tough, follow the tough year to be players. a Blackhawks fan, Ryan. There's been a lot of them lately. Um, and college basketball, I think one of the, the great benefits of streaming over the last few years has been the ability to watch UWM basketball on ESPN plus, which, you know, becomes ESPN, you know, 43 or whatever it is that <laughs> we're down, we're, we're, we're way past the Ocho <laughs> and now. Counting. But, um, yeah, beyond that, I think this year being an Olympic year, I think is super fun. I dive headfirst into curling during the Winter Olympics. Started in college and have not stopped since. Absolutely love watching curling during the Olympics. Uh, past that, it is it is a tough scene in the winter. Have you time. ever curled, Ryan? Yes. Uh, Laura and I went and did it once. She did better than me. Um, it was actually last winter Olympic year. So what would that have been? 2016, 2018. I think it was before that. I think it was 2014 actually. Yeah. Um, it was actually an old colleague of ours was a member of the, of the Wauwatosa curling club. Did you say last year and then reference 2014? Yeah. It's listen, (laughs) it's winter time. Time is a construct. Yeah, exactly. Um, don't don't go with me. I had to edit out last week that I had said the year wrong twice. So cut me a little bit of slack here. It's all um, right. We'll grab it in post. So yes, we we've grabbed. I've, I've curled once, and it was it was tough. Has that has that strengthened your your excitement for curling though? It was fun. It was fun. Um, I, if I had a club that was closer, I would probably do some sort of league or something. Have you, so this is going to get, uh, have you ever heard of a Bonspiel? Oh yeah. Yeah. So this, this is this curling. Is we it live like in this, Wisconsin, this, like, man. How do you not, these well, are I, these random the things that happen all over the place. Yeah. I mean, we've got a lot of, I mean, everything's basically sauerkraut here. Um, but if it's basically, <laughs> isn't it just like this day long drinking and curling like orgasm, like going on like the entire, just like, oh my God, like. You yeah. curl 92 games and you drink 42 gallons of beer and it's just, it's Wisconsin over and over again. Yes. <laughs> I've, I've, I've accurately. I, I, uh, I mean, I, I don't know what else to add there. That is, it sounds great. I mean, you're, you're hitting all the right buttons for, I think for anyone here in, in the Midwest in the wintertime. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, and then, well, I guess, you know, we, we do have golf, spinning back up here pretty soon but what about you what are you watching i i will tell you this 
is that my sports watching is probably one of the more spastic things I do. And I do a lot of like really weird things. But I was telling you the other day that I came, I came back, I played basketball on Saturday mornings. Usually that means that the next two or three hours is filled with the laziest movements possible. That's both in feeding myself, <laughs> moving from the couch, like whatever's on television. Yes, icing different various body parts that could be actually aching or just fantasy aching in my head. Um, and so the other day, I, I think it's on because it was a it's an Olympic year, but uh, you had to tell me what it was. I don't even know what it was, but it was the biathlon where it's the skiing and shooting uh, event uh, that I watched practical, for a- practical sport. I look, I watched for a good 10 to 15 minutes and I tried to like dive in. I tried to be like, all right, like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to watching. I want to know which one of these guys is, is the best. I want to know, you know, like why he's the best. They didn't really get into any of that, but, um, just really weird stuff. And then I watched a, a, a single, uh, I think this is all on NBC Sports, by the way. This is a this is not a plug yes. for NBC Sports app. Uh, if you're looking for for things <laughs> to watch this winter, uh, but I also watched the. They've now developed a single person bobsled, which is basically just sledding. I feel like, uh, but this is not an inner tube, right? Uh, well, I'll tell you what. I, if they put someone in an inner tube going down the 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 bobsled track, that actually would be super fun. <sighs> No dangerous. No, no no safety. No harness. Just handles and a. Um. Well, that isn't that part of it. I mean, that's part of the. You know, it's kind of like what is their grip? You know, their grip strategy. Is it underhand, overhand? You know, is it the Care Bears on the inner tube? Do you go blank inner tube? Is it just a giant donut? Like who brings out the swan? Yeah. yeah ex- see exactly. Like who's got the wings? You know. So. I think those kind of sports would be a lot more interesting. I think you got to really now for the people who are actually in those sports, you know, I feel bad because like this, the Olympics is there, you know, they they're for four years or maybe even five years now. Since I was a fetus. Yeah. They're trying to hit this apex of like, I got to be ready for this event. And, and we're, and they're like, the single person bobsled is my event. And I'm over here saying like, you know what? I think you should go down an inner tube. Now, well, I, if everyone changed their life goals based off of whether or not you thought it was worthy or you just kind of being a dick, I think the world would look a lot different. But I, I'll, I'll tell you what, though, I'm you're sitting on the couch. It's it's I won't even say Friday night. Let's just say Saturday afternoon. For those of you who still have Friday night and Saturday night plans, it's a Saturday afternoon. You're clicking on the guide and you see on any sports app, you see something called sledding. You're not going to watch. Well, I guess how is that different from wipeout? Um, because the, I think the, the tone would be different. The, you'd get, I think what you'd have to do is, is first of all, the, the experts they bring on, like, I don't even know if they're experts. They could probably just be making half of this stuff up. How many, how many single person bobsledders out there are kind of like, this guy sucks as a commentator. We don't know, right? <laughs> like we, there's no, there's no baseline for any of us to know. Um, so I think you just bring on anybody, like you could bring on someone with a personality and you go like, oh, they're going with the, you know, the, this kind of grip. It's not what I would have gone with. 
And then what you do is you get some sort of like, it's kind of like a parody of itself. You get some guy to go out to like a local sledding hill and like have him take it super serious while the kids are just kind of like, you know, out there and they're like, mom, push me down the... And you've got some guy in like a leotard just being like, I'm training for the Olympics, kid. Going Get down, out of the way. Going down Killer Hill in Menominee Falls, Wisconsin. Getting yeah. Uh, look, I'm. T- you didn't answer the question. If if you were on the guide and it said sledding, would you not tune in? You're going to check that out for at least a second. Thank you. Thank you. That's what the world yeah. is right now, isn't it? It's a TikTok world. So like, that's all I need to get you for. Just get, that's, you know, get yep. my ratings up. A quick pause here for a message from our friends at Anchor.fm. If you're looking to get into the podcast game, cannot recommend Anchor.fm enough. Super easy, free unlimited hosting to help you get distributed to all the major listening apps. It's definitely the way to go. If the two of us can figure it out, you can too. Let's get back to the show. All right, Chris, let's wrap it up for this week. Mini segment for us here. Going back to one of your favorite stories about Jay Cutler that if anyone ever bumps into Chris in a bar, have him tell it. But we want to talk about things that we are over in a segment called I'm Over It. So, Chris, tell us today, what are you over? Can I just give a quick shout out to all those diabetic athletes out there? Jay Cutler, Adam Morrison. <laughs> um, we're, we're dwindling in numbers, I'll tell you that. Um but yeah, I because you're wait, hold on. You're dwindling in numbers because you're not playing in sports or because, you know, because uh, I think worse. people are figuring out that that our, our lack of, of the ability to process sugar is probably hurting our ability to play sports. I mean, Fair. Nick Cutler flamed out Adam Morrison. I think it didn't do a whole lot for himself with the look he had going on. Uh, but then his ability to play basketball was also hurt. So just um, not sticking together with your your diabetic no. brethren. Uh, shout out to Scott for Plank. He was probably the best of us all. Um, and th- that's saying a lot. We've um, got we've got less than a dozen listeners right now, and I'm going to say less than half of them know who Scott Verplank is. Hey, look, so that's, that's why the Google as well. That's why the Googlers out there ask Jeeves, Bing it, guy. Guy was a, a, a groundbreaking leader in the in the diabetic sports world. Ask uh, Jeeves, not a sponsor, but could be, could be, could, could be. be also uh, any We're kind of diabetic. Big ask Jeeves money here. Yeah, I think we just lost all the diabetic medicine that we were looking to get sponsored <laughs> by by that little rant. But um, anyways, back to I'm over it. Over it. Over it. Here's who I'm over. I'm over Tom fucking Brady. Wow. Um, wow. I, look. This is not, and this is not going to be anything. This is brought to you by the Moral High Ground, by the way. I'm, t- I'm this entire rant is going to be from the Moral <laughs> High Ground. Spon- is a sponsor. Moral High Ground is a sponsor. Yes, yes. Look for it everywhere. Stand on it. Put your flag on it. I will tell you this. This and this is not about the media or whatever. But I, I are people like forgetting that like for two separate occasions and like a lot of stuff that maybe we didn't even know about, which is kind of conjecture, but like he was caught cheating twice. Like everyone kind of blames bill, bill Belichick for the whole Spygate thing, but it's not like Tom Brady was like chained to a radiator at, at the Patriots practice facility and was like, no bill. Like we shouldn't like take these videos. Like, no, he was there. He was, you know, he was benefiting from it. You know, the whole deflated footballs thing. And yet, everybody genuflects to this guy as if he, you know, as as he, he were a football God. And then I think what, you know, everyone being like, wow, that really bold choice to move on to Tampa Bay, like Tampa Bay was loaded. 
you know, they've got, you know, three wide receivers who are all pros. Their offensive line is stacked. It's just that Jameis Winston couldn't stop throwing it to the other team. So this Tom Brady, like, he took a real risk, like, going to the Buccaneers. Like, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I do not get on board with that. It was not, like... Yes, it was it was a move that was different, but I wouldn't call it a risky move. I mean, he didn't go to the Jaguars. If Tom Brady, after this year, said, you know what? Thanks, Tampa. It's been great. I'm going to opt out of my contract if he can even do that. But he's like, trade me to Jacksonville, and he takes them to the Super Bowl and wins one. Then I'll give the guy a little bit of credit. I'll give him a lot of credit, actually. But I'm not going to go and say, like, okay, he he and Belichick teamed up for a lot of Super Bowls together. And obviously, it was a really kind of sketchy time. You know, it's not like we're no one's out there saying like, you know, who's the greatest baseball player of all time, Mark McGuire and Rafael Palmero. No, those guys were openly. They're like, yeah, we cheated. The Patriots got caught twice cheating, and yet we're still kind of like the the collective sports amnesia that we all have to forget that like this guy was caught cheating twice. Like, why do we just kind of like forget about that? Well. It, as, Tom Brent Brady. As uh, given that you are standing on the moral high ground, I can say I, I appreciate you keeping Tom Brady's list of cheating incidents to the ones that were on the field. And not right. His relationship infidelities off of it. Uh, I, I commend you for staying on the high ground there, sir. We only have we only have this is a mini segment. If it was a full segment, I'd get into all of his his uh, his, his off the field uh, indiscretions. But I kept it to on the field for now. I guess that means it's my turn. Over it. it. Mock drafts. I don't really <laughs> now, have much be specific. Is They're it stupid like... for any time that they happen bef- more than one week before the actual draft. They are clickbait. They are awful. It is the the it is the 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 thing about sports media that bugs me the most. And mock drafts were the gateway drug into it. Is it's all about the hypothetical. It's not about what actually happened. It's about well, what might have happened. Well, what might have happened in that game if Tom had stood on his head instead of taking the snap from while standing on his feet. Mock drafts were what started all that. I hate them. They're awful. That's it. I'm over it. Baseball or football mock drafts or all of them? All of them. I, I, the baseball ones are the worst because you don't know who anybody is. <laughs> I was actually going to ask you, have you ever seen a mock baseball draft? Yeah, they do them all the time. We're, we're going to do a 53-round mock baseball draft. I saw a headline. I, I shouldn't even say I've seen I've seen headlines for mock lacrosse league drafts. They have them for everything. Well, let's not say things we can't take back, Ryan. I like lacrosse. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they have them for everything. That was an example of an obscure spot. Not that they're not that lacrosse is not worthy of the mock draft, but they're everywhere. So here's I will defend. Look, I am I am in complete agreement with you on the mock draft thing. I will defend mock drafts in one way is that I think it is a great marketing tool to keep teams who are in the lower tier of whatever sport you're in. It gives them like they, they are probably 100% of the consumers of the mock draft. They, no, how many, not. yeah. How many Tampa matter. Bay Buccaneer this... fans out there are reading mock drafts right now? 
it doesn't nobody how many packer fans are looking at it's if you're talking about keeping the fans involved that's what fantasy sports are for let them do that kind of make-believe thing let's not go with the make-believe mock draft it's complete garbage there's no accountability if there's one thing we love on this show it's accountability and the mock draft has none it's awful i i'm 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 so over it i don't even want to talk about it anymore about how over it i am I have one last question then for you. Just oh, kind of... Over it. <laughs> uh, it. I just want a percentage and then we can move on. Uh, give me a percentage of the correct picks in any mock draft ever. It, uh, probably 15. Uh, oh, that's knows? a high you, number. Wow. Well, you got to figure they you can at least get the first two or three right, you would think. That's a good point. Right. So Trevor Lawrence. Okay, great. There's one out of 32. You nailed it. Great job. Way to go out on a limb. Woo. If you know he's going number one, you can probably figure out number two. And if you can figure out number two, you can figure out number three. Then there's trades and moves and the bears. You never know what's going to happen. So when is your first mock draft coming out? I I I I've really never <laughs> wanted to punch you more than I do right now. Ryan's Ryan's mock lacrosse draft 5.0 updated with new yeah. with new rankings. Yeah, Stetson Shipley the 4th out of uh De La Salle <laughs> oh. Academy in in uh Towson, Maryland. He's going to go number 1. Hot take. Hot take. All right, Chris, one last thing before we go. Let us jump on the scale of sportitude. On a scale of 1 to 14, 1 being lowest degree of likelihood, 14 being absolute metaphysical certitude. Scale of 1 to 14, how certain are you that baseball's opening day happens as currently scheduled in 2022? I'm going to say 10, and that is based only on the fact that every interview an article with a baseball expert that I've read their panic level isn't up and I think we're kind of early in this yet so I'll say 10 for now that I think we're we're I'm pretty confident we're gonna get a pretty regular MLB season in 2022 wrong wrong <laughs> what the correct answer is 3.2 I, I tell me how they're not talking. We, we touched on it last week. They're not talking now. They're not getting anywhere. Neither side knows what they really want. They've just got a bunch of really bad ideas. Those are the ones that are going to come to the surface. And unless we're just talking about the negotiations right now. We've also got other health factors that are floating around the world these days. And given our track record around these parts... I would not be surprised if things got pushed by even a week or two. So I'm going 3.2. Well, buddy, we did it. We did two it. Two down. A lifetime to go. Appreciate <laughs> everyone coming back for episode two. We will be taking a little bit of time off here for the holidays. We hope that uh, any of you that are out there, any of you, I'm going to say that again. <laughs> Keep it in. You should have kept it in. Oh, that would have been great. We Any still- of yous out there, you're ready for the podcast, eh? <laughs> <laughs> somehow, somehow keep it in. You can keep this in too if you want. This is great radio, isn't it? 
Oh, man. Oh, we are exclusively broadcasting anyway. in northern Michigan. <laughs> anyway. Yikes. I'm going to take some time off to work on my pronunciations. Anyway, have a great holiday season, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Cheers. <laughs>